You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. All right, church, I'm going to invite you to grab your Bibles. You can remain standing. You can remain standing and grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5. And I'm going to invite Emma to read our text this morning. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. For you to, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. The word of the Lord. All right, you can take a seat. Now you say, Brad, why, why did you get up there in front of Emma? It was obviously her job to read scriptures. Because you guys never listen to the people who have to read. You guys always keep talking to each other. And I always feel bad for them. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go up. I'm going to get people's attention. Some of you were here last week and Pastor Ryan was giving the message. And poor guy. <laughs> like I warned him. I said, dude, it takes a lot. These people like to talk to each other. And he's like, um, people, um, if we could... We could, we could take a seat. No, he's not quite like that. Don't, don't listen. Guys, let's pray, and then uh, let's, let's look in, in God's word together. God of grace, uh, thank you for the gift of family. Thank you for the gift of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you that as we, as we call you Lord, and we call you our brother and our king, we, we do so as family. We're not living out our faith as individuals. And so even this morning, remind us, we come to you as a family. We come to you as your children. And we are excited to see what you might want to teach us this morning. So speak to us through your word. Speak to us through your spirit. If we come here this morning with hard hearts, uh, with stubborn minds, uh, I pray that your spirit would soften us. If we come here with, um, yeah, I, I just pray that um, we would not come here ready to move out of here the same way we entered. We want to engage with you and leave here differently. And we want to leave here more in love with you, Jesus. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. Guys, there's very, something very interesting about, about prayer. <laughs> um, this idea of a conversation with God. And uh, as we'll see, there's a few things about prayer in Scripture. There's a few things about the way that you and I are invited into this idea of prayer that's maybe different than the way the world sees the idea of prayer. Um, if we can go back to the text that Emma read us, the reason I wanted to start, I'm not really going to be diving into this text, but I really wanted us to start by looking at this text because when people think you're calling out to God, you're calling out to the creator of the world, the one who creates all things, the holy, just God, this might not be the way some people think you ought to talk to him. But this is the invitation. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help. These are demands. It's not, please, will you? It's do this. Some of you might have uh, the New Living Translation. It doesn't say, hear my cry for help. In the Living Translation, it says, pay attention. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. These are demands being made of God. Last week, 
uh, Pastor Ryan started us on a new series about prayer. And all the pastors got together. And we thought, what would be a great title to do like a month and a half on prayer? And the greatest minds got together at CA Church and we came up with prayer. Yes, it, it sticks, I think. It's worked for a long time. Um, and, and one of the things that Ryan was telling us is that prayer is, is not a one-sided conversation. That God speaks to us, and the two ultimate ways he speaks to us are through reveal, his revealed word, the scriptures, and also ultimately through his son, Jesus Christ. When I was a kid, I, I, was, not, I, I was taught not to talk back. But this morning, I'm inviting you to talk back to God. That he actually invites you to respond to him, even like the psalmist does in Psalm chapter 5. And we'll unpack why that is. This, oh, there's a good pastor word. Unpack. We're going to unpack. How do we find the words to pray? And sometimes we can kind of be, be frozen by that. Um, I want to I wanna, I wanna show you an image in a moment. And for some of you, uh, this is going to cause a lot of anxiety, this image. For some of you, you'll see this picture and it'll bring up very frightening memories. So I just want to, I, I won't use the word triggered. I won't use that word, but I just did. But for some of you, you might look at this picture and immediately these emotions are going to well up within you. Because for some people, this is the most frightening thing um, they could be a part of. So here's the image there. Some of you may look at that image and think, I've been there and it is scary. I've been in the prayer circle. Some of you, uh, depending on your upbringing, maybe, maybe you've never had to face the prayer circle before uh, at a youth or a small group or, or after the service, maybe getting together with other, other Christians. But for some people, you've grown up and you've had this experience of the prayer circle. And some of, sometimes um, we, we maybe have different experiences with that. But sometimes you might have, some of you, you might have this experience where you're, you're in a circle and someone says, we're going to pray and someone leads. And anyone can pray if they feel like it, they say. But then for some reason, the first person prayed and then the person next to them prayed just by fluke. But then the people got in their mind, oh, we're going around in a circle now. Why did that second person pray? Because now, oh, now it's coming. So you're not listening to any of those prayers now because you're on the far side of the circle. And now you're, even though on the outside you're going, mm-hmm, yes, yes, Jesus, that's smoke and mirrors. Because in your mind, you're going over, oh, Heavenly Father, no, God of grace, no, no, that's Pastor Brad says that all the time. I got to think, so, and I got to get some scripture in there. There's got to be some scripture in there. Maybe a good, maybe a good metaphor, God, you are like a rock. That's not a metaphor, that's a simile. Uh, that was for the teachers out there. Um, and then you got it, and you're ready. You haven't listened to a word that's been prayed. And the person right next to you, it hits them, and then they've memorized all of the Psalms. And they're, they're, they're quoting everything. Or it's like they reached right into your head, and everything you've memorized, the great three sentences you had, it's like they took them all out of your head, and they prayed them just before you. It's just a personal issue, I guess. Some of you have been through that dreaded prayer <laughs> circle. And for many of us, it's not just prayer in a group, which many people can be very nervous about. Some of us, even our, our individual prayer life, we can find difficult. And there's a handful of reasons. Uh, and maybe we just feel like it's not going anywhere. It's just bouncing off the walls. Uh, for some of us, maybe we feel like um, maybe pride is getting in the way. I just, you know what, I just, I, I haven't been praying. I feel actually kind of a little guilty 
coming to pray right now. And I, oh, I'm, I'm only praying when I, when I need something. I haven't really been making it a, a rhythm of my life. So now I kind of feel like I really don't deserve God to even listen to me. We, and sometimes maybe we don't even trust God with our prayers. So prayer doesn't only feel foreign. It can actually be a kind of a stressor for us. Not only publicly, but even in our, in our private prayer life. How do we approach the God of Scripture in prayer? But here's the thing. We can't resist the desire to pray. The more we resist it, the more anxiety we're going to have. Because it is, it is built into us that we are desiring conversation with the Almighty. Everyone in the world is reaching out for something larger. Prayer is a natural human instinct. First point I want to make this morning is prayer is, is universal. Okay, I'm glad it says prayer is universal because I just noticed on my notes it says prayer is a universal. And technically you can make that work. But anyway, in, in, in the great monotheistic religions, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, prayer is at the very heart of what it means to believe. Muslims will pray five times a day. Um, while Jews have a traditional, they, they pray three times a day. Each branch of Christian church is saturated with various traditions of common prayer and private prayer and pastoral prayer. And this is what's interesting. Studies in psychology of religion say that even deliberately non-religious people pray at times. Studies have shown that in secularized societies, prayer continues to be practiced not only by those who have no religious preference, but even by those who do not believe in God. Something in them is still crying out for help, to be seen, for guidance, whatever it might be. In his book, Toward a, Soci a Sociology of Prayer, Soci sociologist Giuseppe Giordano explained that nearly 30% of atheists admitted that they pray sometimes. And found that 17% of non-believers in God pray regularly. The frequency of prayer increases with age. I believe that. Even among those who do not return to church or identify with any sort of institutional faith. He goes on to say this. He says, in virtually all studies of the sociology of religious behavior, it is clearly apparent that a very high percentage of people declare they pray every day. And many say even many times a day. And in any effort to find a culture out there somewhere that does not reach out to the divine has been impossible. All cultures have some attempt to communicate to between human and the divine realm. So prayer is universal, but not all prayers are the same. If we're going to talk back to God, we need to ask what makes prayer to the God of Scripture different Prayer may be universal, but Christian prayer is always a response. Christian prayer is never the first reaching out. Christian prayer is never, do you see me? Jumping up and down and waving our arms and trying to get God's attention. Christian prayer is always a response to God already speaking to us. It's never first contact. As Ryan explained last week, Pastor Ryan, uh, in, the, in the Bible, in God's living word, we can hear God speaking to us, and we then respond to him speaking to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, and, and Ryan mentioned this last week, he said, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. That's what we call the Old Testament or, or the Hebrew Scriptures. But in the last days, he's spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So Jesus is the greatest expression of who God is. All prayer is responding to God 
who has already spoken. In all cases, God is the initiator. Hearing always precedes asking. God comes to us first. Some of you might know who Eugene Peterson is. He just passed away a few years ago. Uh, if you're familiar with the message version of the Bible, uh, he, he, he put that together. But Eugene Peterson, in his book, uh, Working the Angles, he reminds us that just like children learn language as a response, we learn prayer in response as well. He says, to learn language, uh, we learn language by first being spoken to. We're plunged at birth into a sea of language. We swim in words, we're soaked in nouns and verbs, and gradually we realize that some of these words are directed to us, personally targeted words that name and love and comfort. And then slowly, syllable by syllable, we acquire the capacity to answer. Mama, papa, bottle, blanket, yes, no. Not one of these words was the first word. Hundreds of thousands of words for days and weeks and months were spoken to us before we began to answer to speak our own words. All speech is answering speech. We were all spoken to before we spoke. It's the same with prayer, he says. The words spoken to God are always a response so that we can know the God we're speaking to and we know how we can speak to him. Meaning that if we're, if we're not saturated, and this is important, if we're not saturated, I love the way uh, Eugene Peterson talks about just like diving into nouns and verbs and being flooded in them. In the same way, if we're not drowning in Scripture, if we're not saturated in Scripture, we're going to have a hard time finding the words and we will not know the God that we are addressing in our prayers. Ultimately, Christian prayer is a response to how God has already lovingly revealed himself to us. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice to know the heart of God before we approach him. It, it, it's nice. And, and this is important to realize that. In Anne Lamott's book on prayer titled, Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers, she declares up front that her view of God is not really important for prayer. That's where she stands. She says this. She says, let's say prayer is what the Greeks called the really real. What lies within us, beyond the scrim of our values, positions, convictions, and wounds. Or let's say it's a cry from within the life or love with capital L's. Nothing could matter less than what we call this force. Let's not get bogged down on whom or what we pray to. Let's just say prayer is communication from our hearts to the great mystery or goodness, to the animating energy of love we are sometimes bold enough to believe in, to something unimaginably big and not us, we could call this force, not me. Or, or for convenience, we could just say, God. Now, there is, some, there is some stuff in that that might actually sound attractive to some people. It, it's nice to know we can, we can come as we are, to not really worry about it, not need to have it all together. It's a good mindset to have, and I think some of that is accurate. However, <laughs> to approach God in the same way as as Anne Lamott would suggest, completely ignore, ignores the fact that he has already revealed who he is to us. A personal creator, a relational God, a God that gets scarred and beaten and bruised for you and I. Does that not change the way we approach him? He's a God who loves and hurts and desires. Hers is, is a one-way conversation. Imagine if I was asked to describe my relationship, and, and this description somehow um, 
nurtured the way that I spoke to my own wife. And someone said, tell me about the woman you go home to at the end of the, di- the day and with, with whom you have two children. And I said, well, she's really real. <laughs> What's her name? Nothing could matter less. What is she like? She's just a big mystery. That's not completely false, by the way. <laughs> Still working on She's not here. It's all right. What is her name? Well, she's not me. Helpful. And when I'm bold enough and I believe she is listening, for convenience sake, I call her Lelania. You, you see the problem. <laughs> The problem with Lamont's description of of the object of our prayers is that it ignores what he has told us about himself. And it tells us to imagine a God the way we would like to imagine him. A God we can't offend because he has no feelings. She says, just create whatever kind of version you want and then pray to that God. We've seen that in scripture before. (laughs) It doesn't go well. Again, Eugene Peterson, who we can always look to for some wisdom, in his book, Answering God, he says this. He says, left, left to ourselves, we will pray to some God who speaks what we like hearing or to the part of God we manage to understand. But what is critical is that we speak to the God who speaks to us and to everything that he speaks to us. There is a difference between praying to an unknown God whom we hope to discover in our praying and praying to a known God revealed through Israel and Jesus Christ who speaks our language. In the first, we indulge our appetite for religious fulfillment. In the second, we practice obedient faith. The first is a lot more fun. The second is a lot more important. What is essential in prayer is not that we learn to express ourselves, but that we learn to answer God. We want to respond to the God who has actually spoken to us. And it's made clear how we know this God. We understand his heart. His heart for us, his desire for justice, his desire for mercy and grace. And ultimately, as we said and we looked at in Hebrews, if we want to see what that looks like in action, we look to the person, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus made it clear. And if you are visiting here today and you're wondering about when we talk about the concept of God, what are we talking about? We are talking about the person and the work of Jesus. The extension of God in human flesh in the person of Jesus. Jesus, when he was speaking with his disciples, he would often get the same question, not only from his disciples, but also from the religious leaders of his day. And and at one point, Philip was asking him, please just tell us what God the Father is like. And Jesus says this in John 14, 9. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Could you imagine if someone, you approach someone and said, tell me what God's like. Don't you know me? We would probably not hang out with that person anymore. But Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So we have the entire collection of Scripture. We have God in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, whose greatest expression of the heart of God is the death on our behalf as a representation of us, declaring his love, declaring that he will get in the muck and the mire in order to bring us to himself. So when we talk back to God, we need to remember 
And this is important because we see this throughout. And this is really where I want to land for us today as, as we leave this place and, and, and bring this into our practice of prayer. And that is that Christian prayer is fueled by the text. Christian prayer traditionally is informed by Scripture. How do we call out to God? There, is all sorts, uh, there are all sorts of versions and ways that we can do that. All sorts of circumstances of God's faithful followers in the past reaching out to him in the text. Scripture is a rich resource for our prayer life. Both in its description of the character of God as well as examples that we read in, in order to respond to him. In prayer, And so for those feeling dried out, scared, uh, uninformed in this school of prayer, the Bible is a power, powerful manual for us. We see this modeled by the early church in their prayers. The early church in Acts chapter 4 has got together. Uh, Christ has, has, um, has ascended into heaven and they are being persecuted by the religious leaders of the day. They're fearing that Rome is going to come knocking at their door and they're going to try to snuff them out like they attempted to snuff out Jesus. They are being persecuted all around. And in Acts chapter 4, verses 25 and 26, when the early church is trying to find perspective for the, the nations around them coming in against them, the forces around them coming in against them, they actually quote the Psalms. And so in, they quote this in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. It says, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. Notice they, to find perspective for their own situation, they say the nations conspire and the people plot in vain. They find words for their situation and a reminder that God is in control. Jesus gives us a great example of using the text. Jesus, our greatest example, while on the cross, looking for the words to frame his suffering. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 46, it says, About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sebachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 1, says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. In Luke, chapter 23, verse 46, on the, on the cross, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's quoting Psalm 31, where David says, Into your hands, God, in, in my trouble I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. In Jesus' anguish, he went to the Psalms to verbalize what he was going through. These were Psalms that were originally birthed out of King David of Israel going through difficult times and feeling like the world was closing in on him, that the burden might be too much. Jesus uses these very words for his own anguish. Scripture can give us a voice. The other thing that many of you have heard me point out before is that Scripture also gives us a license. And it has the ability to capture so much of the sentiment that we feel in our life and in the struggle of trying to live faithful lives to a God who at times seems distant. Near the end of the Hebrew Scriptures, the end of what we call the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew prophet Habakkuk, which, I'm sorry, some of you are expecting, write that name down. Habakkuk. I know, it'll probably be another Eli, but that's fine. Habakkuk is good if you're looking for another one. I mean, anyone expecting might want, might want that one. Habakkuk begins his book. I mean, what, a, what an opening to a book. How long, Lord, must I call for help? 
but you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are ever before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Nothing is going right. So next time you're in that prayer circle and everyone's doing praise, I want you to nail them with that one. Where are you? It's like, wow, what happened with that guy today? I'll tell you, we are, we are given these words. They are important tools for people of faith. The words of Job, the words of David in turmoil, the words of Jeremiah in lamentations, these are important words for those who at times feel like our story is getting smaller. They are licensed for us to call out to God because even in calling out to God, we're not denying his existence. We're declaring he's the, he's the God of power. He's the one who can do something about it. And we can't, and many of you know this, we can't skip those sections in our life and pretend they don't exist. That doesn't get us anywhere. As a wise man once said, you cannot heal what you don't feel. You need to expose your hearts and your fears and your pains before the ever-loving God. That sounded like I was leading, that didn't sound right, the ever-loving God. People don't usually use that in a positive way. The, <laughs> the everlasting, loving God of grace. There is work in us that can only be done when we are honest with our maker. See, Habakkuk ends his book by saying this in Habakkuk chapter 3. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the, oil, the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. See, Habakkuk ends on a positive note of faith, but that contentment came after struggling and after wrestling. And I, I think we're often in danger of, of paper-thin faith if we're unwilling to be upfront with God. When Scripture gives us license to be upfront with God. Not to deny Him, not to blaspheme, but to be very upfront that I'm devoting my life to you, but this is hard. And I don't sense you in this moment. And I wonder if, if many of us default to, to the good halves of the Psalms <laughs> that, that don't sound painful. But we kind of end up sounding like patients who are unwilling to tell the doctor where it really hurts. <laughs> but Scripture gives us permission to complain. It teaches us how to complain properly. And so prayer as a, as a response rooted in Scripture does some very important things for us. And this is where I want to end this morning. There's some very important things that, that prayer as a response to Scripture do for us. And they, and they are very important. Prayer rooted in Scripture, first of all, it keeps our prayers fueled. Some people complain that they can't find anything to pray about. I don't know how, but they do. Or they're not sure how to go about praying. Scripture gives us an endless supply of fuel for our prayers. Secondly, and in the midst of that, as we saw with Habakkuk and we see in the Psalms and with Job, prayer rooted in Scripture keeps our prayers orthodox. 
It keeps us from the ideas of those who are trying to make God simply accessible, but in order to do so, they remove aspects of his character and aspects of his self-revelation. Thirdly, prayer that is rooted in Scripture inspires a deeper meditation on Scripture. It helps us dig into the text even more. Our, our Bible reading cannot become more than, than something. It, it can become something more than just something on the Christian list, uh, than our, getting our daily bread done in the morning. It becomes an interaction and a, and a diving deep into a dialogue with God when we use it as the fuel and the scripts for our prayer. For myself, over the past several years, one of the things that's been very helpful, two things that have been very helpful for me in my prayer life, and I still have a long way to go, but one thing that's been helpful for me is not to begin, well, it's still okay to begin, but to spend most of my time in prayer after I've studied the Word, not before. I was always taught to grow up, uh, to, well, I was taught to grow up. <laughs> How have I done? Um, <laughs> as I was growing up, I was taught to, you know, do my list first. Get all, do all the prayer and then get God to speak. Yeah, you know, and pray and ask that the Spirit would, you know, uh, you know, open up my heart and mind to what God would want to speak to me. But over the last few years, other than opening and saying, God, you know, speak to me through your text, I've tried to do my prayer after reading the text so that I can listen to God speak to me first and then respond to him. We, the, the other way around is, is uh, I I've found for myself not, not as fruitful. That I allow God to speak to me first and then respond as I ought to. The other thing that I've done over the years, um, a few years back when the ESV version of the Bible came out with all these journaling versions or you have the text on one side and, and blank on the other side, is I began to journal through the Psalms. So you can buy the Psalms in the ESV. You can buy any of the books of the Bible. And I would read the Psalm, and then I would rewrite it in my own words, and then I would pray that back to God. And I found that to be very fruitful. These aren't, these aren't rules. It's just uh, some things that I found fruitful over the last couple of years. But I would, I would invite you to try that for this next week. Try reading the text, and it, could be, it can be the Psalms, it can be anywhere. Um, but I would, I would aim to spend your, your prayer time as a time responding to what God has said to you in the text and how you might apply it and how you need to let it sink in. But what I'd like to do before we end the service right now is I would like us to actually pray, give you an example of how we might do this. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray through the Lord's Prayer as found in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read it out straight, and then I'm going to invite you to bow your heads, and I'm going to pray us through. And I would invite you to allow the Spirit of God to speak to you this morning. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God of grace, we want to invite you into this moment and into this day and into this week. You are a holy God and you have called imperfect people into your family. And you've invited us to call you Father. Not my Father, our Father. 
which reminds us well, you have invited us into a family. And I thank you that as we, we live out as your church, we do so understanding that you are a king who reigns over all of creation. And it is our desire to be your hands and feet and to live out your kingdom here and now. So that your will would not only be done in heaven, it would be done here through each of us. In the way we speak, in the way we act. God, there are so many things that bombard us, so many fears that might come our way before we even get home today. Things that are going to concern us. Things that are going to stress us, cause anxiety in us. And so, God, we pray that you would take care of our daily needs. As you say elsewhere, there, there's, enough, there's enough trouble just for today. So, God, we come to you today like the Israelites did, and we say, give us what we need for today and sustain us, we pray. God, you, you ask us to be people who are forgiving, to forgive those who have offended us, because you have already forgiven us. And so, God, if we, if we are sitting here this morning and we have been offended by someone, God, I pray we would be quick to offer them forgiveness. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would bring those people to mind. Heavenly Father, as we leave this place, depending on how we spend our afternoon this week, there's going to be all sorts of things that are going to tempt us with a story different than yours. A story that wants to drag us away from the beautiful story that you've written us into. But I pray through the power of your spirit, I pray through the wisdom that you have given us, the, the very power that raised Christ from the dead would be alive in us. And you would, through your power, give us the ability to walk away from temptation. And I pray through your spirit right now, you would speak to us, remind us of those things that have had a hold on us. Those things that have been entangling us so that we can't pursue you more wholly. We confess those to you and we pray you would give us the strength to cling firmly to you, Jesus, as we step into this next week. And as we spend this week, Jesus, wanting to respond to you, respond to how you've revealed Yourself through your life, death, and resurrection, we can find uh, nothing greater than to say we give you our whole selves in return. And I pray that you would continue to speak to us this week through your word and that we, um, in looking at how you have revealed yourself to us, would, would come to you with confidence, would come to you with authenticity, and we would cling to you completely. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.